I definitely think that there's, especially with Instagram and Pinterest and things, I feel like there's this urge to kind of create this brand of who you are or who you want to be or how you want to present yourself through seeking out things that maybe aren't in your everyday life, but how you want people to assume that your life is like. And I feel like there's nothing that's more inspiring than just looking around and seeing what's there and just photographing it just as it is. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Howard. I'm the founder and CEO of Musea. And welcome to the Musea podcast, which exists to help photographers have sustainable careers through meaningful photography. Hi, my name is Lauren Mitchell, and I'm a documentary photographer over in Central Florida. It's hard to say what I photograph because I photograph everything pretty much in my everyday life, everything in my town that I live in. I think that's my biggest inspiration right now. But technically, I do documentary family sessions, and every now and then I also shoot weddings. So I actually started taking pictures when I was about 11 years old. My parents were divorced, and I spent the summers with my dad. And one summer, there was like a junior camp for kids at this community college in Pensacola. And my stepmom had thought I'd be interested in the zoology class, but I instead opted for the photography class. And from there, it just kind of, it was something that kept going throughout my life, which is funny because everything else in my life, I get really obsessed with things for about two weeks. (laughs) And then after like two or three weeks, it's like, I don't even care about them anymore. (laughs) And photography has really been the only thing that has stuck with me since I started it. And so in high school, I was really interested in silent film stars. And I was also taking a photography class at the time. And so I found this book of George Harrell's work. Mm -hmm. And it was like this, I don't even know how I found it, because that was way before Amazon. And, you know, (laughs) like, it was at the bookstore, I guess, super old school. Yeah, Barnes and Noble style. (laughs) Yeah. And it had this book on like, how to light people in the way that he would illuminate the movie stars, like the way that he Mm -hmm. would put the lights over, you know, Marlene Dietrich and kind of create that butterfly shape under her nose and just sculpt their faces and things like that. And I was so fascinated by the way that he did that. So I would just drag my friends around and use really like crappy gooseneck lights (laughs) that they had in their room. (laughs) It was a total low budget setup, but I would just take pictures of them and just photograph my adventures out with them as well. And then In college, I decided to major in graphic design, mostly because I came from a very typical suburban family, and they were all engineers and doctors and military. And so I always wanted to do something with art, but I didn't really know what that meant, like how I could make a living (laughs) from that. And so I figured that graphic design was probably my best bet. (laughs) So then I went to school in San Diego and I just 
was so miserable. <laughs> like at one point, my instructor told me that I needed to switch majors <laughs> oh, gosh. because I was really messy about my presentations and things. I was just, I don't know what I was doing at the time, but always in the back of my head, it was something where I wished I would have switched my major to photography. But for some reason, I felt like I didn't understand the path of a photographer mm-hmm. because you know, that background that I had was so cut and dry, I guess, you know, like you, you go to school, you get a job and then you kind of live the rest of your life. <laughs> like, right. you, yeah. You have the family, <laughs> like the typical life. I didn't know that there was really any other way of living. Cause I had never really experienced it, but I knew that I wanted to do something different at the same time. But then I went to the Getty center in LA and I saw this exhibit with, it was all about the 1960s and the work of Gary Winogrand, Diane Arbus, and William Eggleston. Oh, wow. Great show. Yeah, it was amazing. And I just, I fell in love with it. And I didn't really understand why at the time, but I think at the time it was probably for that, you know, sense of nostalgia that I saw in their work. Obviously, they were working in the present at the time. But Mm -hmm. to me, it was seeing all of those old photos. And I didn't quite understand what they were really trying to say in their work until a lot later. But it was still something that really resonated with me. And I just wanted to start shooting, you know, more street and more my everyday life. So then I just kind of kept it in the background photography throughout college. And after college, I started doing graphic design as my full-time job. And then I started to get miserable <laughs> when I, <laughs> at my job, not because of the work itself, but just sitting at my desk eight hours a day, doing the same thing over and over. And that was the point when I started to pick up my camera a lot more because my daughter had just been born and she kind of became this new inspiration for me as well. Mm. So it just kind of grew from there. And then I ended up leaving my job. (laughs) Right. And so now you're full-time photo? Yes. Cool. So one of the reasons I contacted you, for me that's interesting, is seeing your documentary or your fine art photos or however you want to label those, but then also seeing that you do family and sometimes weddings. For me, I have a hard time finding people that can straddle those genres Mm -hmm. and do it well. Usually they're like all in on family or weddings or something, and it has a certain aesthetic that's kind of more normal in the industry, or they're more documentary fine art and they have nothing to do with like family wedding stuff and they just create their art or they have another job or whatever they do, but they're kind of over in that camp. So I'm always looking for people that can blend. That's kind of where I've come from Mm -hmm. a little bit is from a fine art background, but then I've always kind of been a little bit in the wedding portrait world. So anyway, I just want to say you're doing a good job with (laughs) (laughs) your work and standing out, I feel like, because when I got on your site, I feel like, oh, this is something totally different than what I normally see. Have you always been doing kind of documentary stuff or did you jump into a business side of things or what did you do first? I had just started taking on families when I was still at my full-time job. And I think that was the real jump for me was that It was starting to be a little bit too much to handle both things. And it was just something that I really loved doing. And 
I mean, I had taken maybe like one or two weddings at the time, but shooting families was definitely something that I had done more often. And I will say that when I left my job, unfortunately, a few months later, my husband got laid off from his job. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a good year where it was really, really hard for us. Mm -hmm. And we struggled a lot. But thankfully, you know, things have picked up from that point. And so when I say I feel like I do have this kind of privileged position where at this point, I don't necessarily have to rely on income from my business to support our family. And so I think that gives me the liberty to be able to kind of blend my personal work with my business Mm -hmm. in a way that I think maybe others who do have to rely solely on income, you know, they might have to pick up more jobs that don't necessarily speak from their heart. So at this point in my life, I really just shoot only what I truly love to do. Yeah. I guess what are you most involved with now? Is it mostly kind of creating your personal work, documenting your own family and your surroundings, or are you being consumed a lot with commission jobs? I think right now it's mostly, you know, personal work. I do also teach at Click Photo School. Mm -hmm. So that's recently been taking up a lot of, you know, what I have been doing. But it's probably like a good balance of a little bit of everything. What do you teach at the Click Photo Schools? I mean, I know I've looked at it a little bit, but I just would rather you tell me in your own words. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's two courses right now, and one is coming up really soon. And it's the first one is called the Documentary Approach, and it's really like a basic kind of foundation for anyone that's interested in you know learning about documentary photography, especially as it relates to photographing their own life, and the unique thing about this one is that it's taught with four teachers together and we each come from a certain perspective and bring that into the class. Cool. And then the other one is really where I'm at with my personal work and it's about exploring your everyday surroundings and finding something that's meaningful about where you are, no matter where you are, which is something that I really believe in. Fantastic. So went through your site. I was looking at your uh, your about page, I think, or your CV page. And so it, you have a kind of a quote in there. You talk about kind of believing in the power of things and the mm-hmm. weirdness of children that comes <laughs> with this beautiful lack of self-awareness. Talk about, especially that phrase, like the power of boring things. What do you mean by that? So when I was at my job, uh, lunch breaks, as a way of just getting out of the office and just doing something, I would go on just these little drives around the town. And I guess I should start with the fact that Florida is the last place I ever thought I'd live in. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been living here for about nine years at this point. But when I moved here, it was somewhere that I didn't like. I was not inspired by, you know, it was hot and gross and it was weird. And so Doing all of these drives at work, I just started to see my surroundings for what they were. And so all of those things that originally I didn't like about them, I just fell in love with. And not because I didn't see them as not boring anymore. It's not like I saw them suddenly as like 
beautiful and magical. They were still boring to me or weird, but that was the very fact that I loved them for. And so that's really been a driving force with my photography is just seeing my surroundings for what they are. And I think it's easy to wish that you lived somewhere else or that you could go far away and photograph things because everything seems so much more interesting. But I think there's no better place than where you currently are. And it's just the way that you perceive things, I think, is what makes it so interesting. Mm. It's not necessarily about like finding pretty things or it's not about the good things. You can also photograph things because they are bad or they're boring or they don't make sense. Mm. Weird or Yeah, because they're weird. And through that, I feel like not only was I able to see that in a photograph, it completely changed the way I felt about my surroundings. And I feel so much gratitude about where I live now. And it really helped me fall in love with this place. A lot of what I would like to talk about is kind of that, because I feel like what you're doing is a little countercultural to what a lot of photographers do, especially beginning photographers, maybe in the social media craze Mm -hmm. that we live in. But I think it's also just an American thing of, you know, we're always wanting more and something better, something more idealized. I don't know. Like, you know, we never have enough. Like there's this lack of contentment Mm -hmm. that kind of undergirds everything, I think. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so I feel maybe what you're doing, you know, subconsciously is your acknowledging the present versus this idealized future, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think that there's, especially, you know, with Instagram and Pinterest and things, I feel like there's this urge to kind of create this brand of who you are or who you want to be or how you want to present yourself through seeking out things that maybe aren't in your everyday life, but how you want people to assume that your life is like. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's nothing that's more inspiring than just looking around and seeing what's there and just photographing it just as it is, whether it's an old soggy towel <laughs> on the road or like a sock on the side of the road or, you know, like people in the grocery store. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much inspiration that's going on in life that like why would I want to create anything beyond what I see you know how I see it as it is all right we're going to take a quick break from the podcast and wanted to let you know that here at the Musea Lab we now offer luster printing We offer prints all the way from 4x6 up to 8x12. This is a Fuji paper that produces amazing contrast, deep blacks, and consistent and accurate colors every single time. This is really great for wedding photographers if you do 4x6s or 5x7s, a large quantity of those in a box along with like a USB or something similar. We can now serve you through that. We have affordable rates, bulk pricing, all the above. So if you want to, you can learn more at musealab.com. 
Also, I wanted to say a really quick thanks to all of our supporters on Patreon. If you want to become a supporter of the podcast and get the additional audio from every interview that we do, you can learn more at patreon.com slash It helps us grow the podcast, helps us cover our editing costs, and helps us move to where we can release this podcast weekly instead of just bi-weekly. And you gain access to all of the uh, additional audio that we release for our patreon only listeners on there so if you want to become a member and help us grow and move this podcast forward you can do that there and we really appreciate everyone that's jumped on board early that's really helped a lot and we're very thankful all right back to the show Looking at your work today, I started pulling up quotes for like photographic vision or seeing <laughs> or whatever, because for some reason this like topic kind of resonated with me. So I came across this one quote that I was like, oh, that kind of fits for the topic. The quote is, the real voyage of discovery consists of not in seeing new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And so I thought that was, for me, I felt like that's something I'm seeing you doing because I see so many photographers like I wish I lived on the west coast or let's all go to Iceland or let's go to some big national park or you know I can only shoot at sunset or let's get up at sunrise and shoot then yeah I mean and I've definitely thought all of those things before (laughs) every now and then it gets the best of me too I mean it's hard not to compare yourself or to wish you were somewhere else but I think the times that I feel most connected to my work is when I'm just out on the street, whether it's just walking around the block or at like a field trip for my daughter's school or just, like I said, at the grocery store. And I don't really know why I feel like this kind of almost like this vibration that goes off in my head. And it just it's like I have to shoot that and right. I, I feel connected with where I am. And I really feel like photography has nothing to do with the camera itself. And sometimes I think I can get really caught up in the cameras and equipment and just the idea of photography itself. But I really feel like it's just about how you see the world and how you process that. Like, just like the quote, you know, seeing it with the new eyes. Mm. I don't even necessarily think that I need to take a picture to feel like I'm a photographer. I think it's just in the way that you think about the world and stay curious about it. Yeah, that's great. One reason you caught my eyes, I feel like there's this thing of like you photograph things as they are, not as they should be. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Is that something you agree with? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, when the moment happens, like I said, something goes on in my head and I just see it for what it is. And I'm not really thinking about anything else besides, you know, what's going on right then and there. Mm hmm. Like, as a mother, how has that affected you just documenting your own family? This kind of seeing the mundane, I guess. It's definitely helped me process through a lot. And I should say, too, that I think as much as it is about seeing the world around you, I also think that photography is a way of kind of processing subconscious thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know that that's going on until you kind of step back away from your work and look at it from a distance. And for me, you know, I've had anxiety and panic attacks almost all my life. And so all of a sudden having this tiny little baby to take care of, I had no idea what I was getting (laughs) myself into. And, you know, the way that you're 
told, it just sounds like pregnancy is the big thing. And then afterwards, you have this wonderful, beautiful baby and your life is glorious. And that's not how it happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was it was a mess. And I was so unprepared. And so photography was this way of kind of processing that. And for me, letting go of a lot of these ideas of shame or guilt that I had about, you know, pretending that my life was what it wasn't because we are messy and my daughter doesn't go outside and play in the fields and run around all day. She loves video games and she's, you know, glued into my phone and things like that. And we're not perfect. And so by being able to document our lives just as they are, it's really helped me to feel more, not, not to say that I'm not like, okay with everything, but it just helped me let go of so many things. Mm-hmm. One of the things I see kind of looking through your work is this is really consistent is just how you handle lighting or the various lighting that you're willing to go into. And I don't know if this would be a technical question or a philosophical one, but it seems like you handle difficult lighting situations really well. I don't know if you almost look for that, you know, or you're even willing to, I would say, show difficult lighting. So like I'm thinking of one of the wedding photos you have on one of your sites. I think it's a bride with like maybe the mother of the bride and they're in the backseat of a car and mm-hmm. they're just like, they're basking in like this red light that's coming from outside yeah. the car, which is normally people would be <laughs> flipping that to black and white immediately because they're like, oh, that's not flattering. But like for me, I love it because I'm like, wow, look at that color. Like, yeah. It really catches my eye. It's amazing. I think that's exactly what I saw it for. I remember that moment. We had Ubered in a minivan to the reception. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And so when we were, it was in Miami, and as we were driving to the reception, the brake light of the car in front of us lit up, and that was the light that you saw. And I love the fact that this red light was just partially illuminating them. And it's funny because... I kind of get torn about this because I don't look for flattering, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which sometimes I'm like, maybe I should think about this more. Yeah. But to me, seeing that as itself is so beautiful mm. that I don't necessarily think about like, oh, maybe I should have caught them like in a better light because it would be, you know, technically more flattering like aesthetically or to, you know, their face or something. I just see it as, oh my gosh, this beautiful red light is just illuminating them. And like, what a great moment this is Mm -hmm. because it just is what it is. And it's about, you know, this mother who's taking her daughter to the reception and she had just gotten married and she's helping her with the dress and holding the bouquet and also kind of trying to like see, make sure the Uber driver is driving the right way, right. you know, so it's more about the present moment, I think. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where my, maybe why I do photograph things in difficult lighting is because I'm not, you know, I'm not making sure people look their best. (laughs) I'm just kind of seeing the moment for what it is. And to me, I see the beauty of that, even though it maybe doesn't seem kind of conventionally beautiful, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not the uh, glamour lighting, which is funny because yeah. you interest like yeah. your introduction of photography is like George Harrell, which is like it's <laughs> yeah. all about the glamour. <laughs> yeah. And then what you're doing now is like not about the glamour. It's like kind of totally opposite. Yeah. It's still beautiful, but it's, I would say it's a different type of beauty than conventional beauty standards. Yeah. 
And that's something that I think about a lot when I'm photographing things is the idea of beauty. To me, beauty isn't, like you said, conventionally pretty. Beauty and pretty are not the same thing. Hmm. To me, beauty can be something that's ugly. Beauty can be something that's sad, something that's boring. I think it's more about just the way that you perceive it. That makes it beautiful. I love that. When you get like a family commission or a wedding commission, do they want the rawness from you? Is like I'm assuming that's why they hire you is they want that kind of honest take on it? Or do you have to kind of do things for them and then don't show it and then yeah. only show other things that you took for yourself? Families are a lot easier. Yeah. Definitely. You know, because I think when it comes to weddings, there's so much built up. You know, you've got just this whole industry of these expectations. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard, I think, for couples to deviate from that. I think slowly it's changing, but I think it's a little bit more difficult with weddings to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to do any of that regular stuff. Like I'm not going to photograph your dress just hanging up. I want to just photograph your dress as you're putting it on instead. So it depends. Like I, I feel like More recently, I'm getting clients, I mean, and I don't take on a lot of weddings, but more recently, I'm getting clients who do get that, which is awesome. But I still will take those kinds of pictures, and I'm trying to totally eliminate that. But for now, it's just a matter of just showing what I want to show. Yeah, which is kind of the tried and true method of show what you want to shoot. Yeah. I think it's funny that I go to your wedding website. I love that the first picture is it says <laughs> loads of fun. Yeah. I feel like it's uh, a little poking fun at weddings, but I kind of like it. I, I feel like it's just... Because it's not a wedding image. No, like, it's no, like it's, it's a sign. It's not even like a family you know? image either. So. No. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I feel like that just represents who I am mm-hmm. as just myself and as a photographer. Just, you know, that kind of undertone of a little bit of sarcasm and kind of deadpan (laughs) humor about things and just capturing kind of those mundane moments. Mm -hmm. And from there, once you see that image, then going into the rest. Yeah, totally. Uh, One of the other things I really like about your work is that you handle color really well. Along with your work, I mean, you see color in a very, I think, unique way or interesting way, or maybe I should say like a very mature way you see color. Because the color photography is really hard Mm -hmm. to do well and it not be like a Pinterest mood board. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess talk a little bit about visually what you're attracted to in terms of like color, shape, or geometry. Because I feel like you have those elements in too. There's kind of a graphic design thing going on. Yes. So for as much as I struggled (laughs) with with college and my design classes and my teachers hating me, (laughs) (laughs) I really am so grateful that I have that as a background because I feel like it's kind of this foundation to how I see. In addition to, you know, the more emotional side, I think this is more of that aesthetic side. Mm -hmm. And so I should also say that in Florida, colors everywhere. (laughs) So (laughs) there's just really bright, vivid colors, and you've got this super bright, harsh light. And so I just kind of roll with, you know, what I'm given living here. And I think no matter where you are, Each location has its own unique light and color. Like I was out West, we were in Wyoming and Kansas, and I noticed how different the color was from here. I feel like it had its own unique color that didn't exist here. And I thought that was really awesome. But I guess 
you know, definitely, like I said, with just having that graphic design as a foundation really helps me to kind of notice color and notice the way that, you know, shapes and lines and things interact. And it's weird because it's not something that I, like when I'm looking around, I don't say like, oh, this is, you know, these are primary colors, so I will shoot this. It just, it, it just <laughs> yeah. is something that I feel is really intuitive and I don't necessarily notice it until afterwards. And sometimes that's really hard to describe, but it's, like I said, it's kind of this, vibration that I feel in my mind that's like oh this is a potential photograph but I'm not sure why and I just shoot it mm. and then later on I'm like oh yeah there's those colors are going on there or you know these lines or the way that there's this sort of visual balance or something that's happening mm -hmm. well I was looking at your Instagram feed today too and you have some work on there that you don't have on your website that I think is really great. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the recent ones of like Sonic. Yeah. And I love them because yeah. they, they kind of remind me of, you know, some of those photos. Got a little bit of what you mentioned earlier of this kind of 70s, maybe late 60s color mm -hmm. photography of like Eggleston or like Stephen Shore. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, for you, I think in 30 years, they're going to have that kind of nostalgic feeling that is still kind of, mm -hmm. I think you're able to see it in the moment. But I with Eggleston or Shore, I think a lot of people, when he was shooting it present day, some of them, I think, were even kind of like, I don't know what this is. I mean, Eggleston was super controversial. Yeah. But now it's like, wow, it's magical. It's even more magical now. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why I do love Eggleston so much is because once I started shooting in that present moment, no matter where I was, just capturing things that resonated with me, I looked back at his work and I was able to like see that's what he was doing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what I had originally been attracted to with that nostalgia. It was the fact that he was just sitting there in the present moment. Like to him, nothing looked retro. Like that's what it looked like. And so, you know, the fact that he was shooting a grocery store worker pushing carts in or like a light bulb on a red wall or, you know, just his friends and family, like, there's an exhibit of his in Orlando right now. And there was photos that he took at Taco Bell. And, <laughs> and I loved that, yeah. you know, that he was just photographing his experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was what really began to resonate with me a lot with his work. That's awesome. Talk about, as we kind of wrap up for this kind of section here, is some of the other photographers that inspire you, who are those kind of your heroes? Definitely Eggleston, mm -hmm. Alex Webb, which I did a workshop with him in November and his wife, Rebecca, and it was nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? I've, I've always wondered what their workshop's like. It was really good. It was definitely so far out of my comfort zone because I, like I said, I just kind of bring my camera along with me wherever I go in just my town and so having to like hit the streets of Miami every single day for like eight hours a day was oh, wow. just so different. But it really helped me to see, I think I was able to kind of bring out of that a more human element to my work that I wasn't photographing as much before. Mm. So I'm, I'm really grateful to that. So you had to go out and shoot and then you like to critiques at night or something? Yeah, we would do class critiques. Which, you know, it sounds horrifying, but when they would critique everyone's work, it was so helpful mm -hmm. to see, you know, w what their thoughts were on things. Because it wasn't about the technical quality of the photo. It was about, you know, are you speaking to 
your vision and are you saying something with your work, which I thought was really helpful to see, you know, in other people's work as well when they were going through it. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, sorry, I interrupted you. Just maybe like two or three other photographers that you really like. Okay. So Saul Leiter, mm-hmm. for sure. And um, the way that he kind of used color photographing New York City and the way that he took very real things and made them sort of abstract, but still real at the same time. I think to me, that was really inspiring. A recent one, actually, Carolyn Drake. I think she's one of the newest Magnum photographers. Oh, cool. And one of her more recent projects has been photographing, I think it's her hometown of Vallejo, California. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact that she's photographing something that's local to her and the way that she does it too, I think is really beautiful. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Lauren Mitchell. It was great having her on the podcast. If you would like to hear more from Lauren, we have about 10 minutes of audio with her on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash She gets into one of her favorite photos she took of her daughter recently. And she also talks a lot about the theme of death in her work and how that's kind of a new thing she's noticed recurring and how she's trying to process that. Big thanks to James Sweeting for editing this episode. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter and help the podcast grow, you can support us at patreon.com slash musea. Thanks so much.